0: Let's hear it for, let's hear it for, hear it for the boys. What? I'm Alex.
1: Uh, I'm sorry, Alex. I missed my spot to come in. We rehearsed this so many times. When was I supposed uh, to come yeah. in and harmonize with you?
2: No, never. Uh, really. No, don't do that. Let's Can hear you... it, hear, hear it, hear, hear, no, hear, stop. Hear. Stop.
1: Stop. For I, the boys. This is awful. I'm Justin. I'm Pete.
0: And this is the final episode of season one of The Boys. You found me. We're going to be talking about it. Now, if you haven't watched the episode, a regular reminder from the beginning here, watch the episode first because we're going to spoil it. We're going to talk all about it, about the season one finale, as we get psyched for the season two premiere that is coming very soon of The Boys. Now, Justin, you weren't here for the last episode. We did talk about this. You worked on The Boys After Show. Yes. That is premiering on August 28th, right?
1: Yes. Uh, coming up at the end of the month. Um, it's called Inside the Boys. And, uh, Gross. Yep. Uh, which I think is a great title. It really captures the show with just a little bit of like, whoa, that's more extreme than I thought it would be. <laughs> Uh, But it's a really fun after show. Um, We get into a lot of the issues, both on the sort of funny comedic side, a ton of the actors show up and special guests, as well as like some of the underlying social issues that the show confronts head on uh, this season as well as the second season. That's awesome. Awesome. So
0: not to be your schedule provider or anything, but it premieres on August 28th with a recap of season one, right? And then September 4th. Three episodes are going to drop along with the first three episodes of the show. Is that correct? I
1: believe that is correct, yes. Wow,
2: that's, that's well planned.
0: That's awesome. <laughs> I hope uh, if you want to send them any of our podcasts so they can you know get a little lesson in yeah. how to talk about the show, you're welcome to do that.
1: Yeah, I guess this is the real after show here. Uh, <laughs> this is the after-after show.
2: Yeah, the after-after. <laughs> nice. after. This is
1: the after-after party where people are like, where is everybody? Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's so exclusive. <laughs> We're the only three here, as usual.
0: All right. So let's give a brief recap of what happens in the final episode of season one. And then we can get into some, some specific moments. Well, I think it's actually relatively straightforward because the main things that are happening here are everything gets blown up in terms of the boys themselves. They try to take they scramble. Basically, to take down Voight, to take down Homelander. They mess it up completely as Butcher kind of goes rogue a little bit. Yep. Huey heads off to rescue everybody else and is actually pretty successful at it yeah. in a surprising yeah. way. Yeah. Though they get caught at the end uh, by the bad guys, uh, Do, by the just real,
2: real quick, I want to ask you guys, yeah, if yeah. you were going to get shot by somebody, would you feel better knowing they were yelling, I'm sorry, as they were shooting you? Or you yes. think it would make it worse.
0: Yeah.
1: Definitely. I love an apology, especially a pre apology.
2: Yeah, Okay. Yeah. All
0: right. Absolutely. Like a kind mugger. That's nice. I'd feel much better about that <laughs> if they were
1: just very gentle about it. I'm okay. so sorry, but I'm going to need all of your money.
0: <laughs> that is a great moment, though, with Huey. Uh, but then they do get caught. They get rescued by Starlight, who ultimately teams up with them to save them at the end of the day. Because <clears throat> she's a that- fucking superhero. She is, in fact, and that leads to a confrontation with A-Train bringing Uh the season full circle. He has a heart attack in the middle, but she saves him, lets Huey go, and that's one of the cliffhangers we end on. The other big one that we should probably mention before we get into specific moments and some of the bigger arcs is that Homelander finds out that not only did his baby not die, but Becca... Butcher's wife is very much alive. And the big cliffhanger at the end of the episode is he brings Butcher back after killing Stillwell after his, her house gets blown up, maybe with her baby in it, which yeah. is pretty messed up. He brings him to Becca's out, dumps him on the lawn, is like, surprise, your wife's alive. I am the son. I am the father of her son. Deal with that, asshole. And that's how we wrap up the season. So lots of big stuff there. Uh, Not sure where we should start necessarily. Do we want to start with the end? Do we want to talk about the whole (coughs) Butcher Homelander stuff that goes on? Yeah, I think that's good.
2: Okay. I wanted to build up to that. I wanted to talk a little bit about the uh, Huey-Starlight relationship. Uh, of course you did, your old romantic, romantic comedy, oh, I'm, old I'm, soft want, heart. I'm turning into Justin. I like to talk about the relationships.
1: It's very strange, mm. the arc of our uh, podcasting. <laughs> yeah. uh, I started as a relationship-focused man, yeah. and you've become that. You've really learned a lot from your big brother, Justin.
2: <laughs> oh, no, don't, And don't. I
1: haven't changed one bit. Yes. So let's stick
0: with what we were sticking with and talk about the end first. Then we'll go back and talk about Huey and Annie because there's lots to talk about there. But what do you feel about this arc? We've certainly talked over the course of the episodes. They teased and talked about what happened with Becca and Homelander back in the day, why she left. We finally find out there. um, uh, In in total, what is your take on this storyline? How would you feel about how it wrapped
2: up? Well, I really, really loved how it felt like a comic book ending of this show. Like it had that last page. Oh shit moment. Like I was really impressed by how well this show kind of landed that ending and that kind of like reveal of like, Oh, he, it's such a cool moment. Like i uh, fuck it. I'm blowing us all up. And then all of a sudden wake up on a lawn and there's the woman who I've been in love with and thought was dead Uh, turns out she's alive and having the most evil person's baby and their eyes both glow. I mean, that was just crazy, insane. Even watching it the second time, it's still like, holy shit. Uh,
1: I think the genius of this show is that they have, in Butcher and Homelander, these two characters who are like, you know, arch enemies, uh, and they're just wrapped around the axle of each other. uh, They just can't not be there. And it's great. Um, the way that uh, the way that Butcher has spent all season up, it's all about Becca and getting revenge and to then give her back to him. But with the caveat that she's under Homelander's control and is super connected to him at the end of the season is great. And the fact that throughout this episode, building up to the confrontation at Stillwell's, like Butcher has a way of getting to Homelander that no other
2: character does. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. how about the fact that like Homelander is then impressed by how dark and uh, fucked up Butcher is like that whole kind of like villain monologue why Stillwell's there with the C4 on is so creepy.
0: Well, the whole thing, to the point you guys are making, works So, well, because there's no way that Butcher and Homelander should be an even match. Butcher has no powers. Homelander could destroy him in a second. There's no reason for Homelander to leave him alive. But it's a well-structured episode, and it's well-written, because it does bring them to this point where Butcher doesn't exactly have the upper hand. And as it turns out, he does not have the upper hand at all, but... Because of his nihilism, because he is at such a low point, that actually makes him dangerous to Homelander in a specific way. Yeah. And ultimately, we do get that moment where he thinks the leverage over him is that he has Stillwell and he's threatening Stillwell, which up until this point, Homelander has had a relationship with Stillwell yeah. and has cared too much about Stillwell. Uh, but He's just learned this information that Stillwell's been lying to him the entire time. That pushes him up to the edge, and we get that horrifying moment where Homelander laser eyes, heat visions her through her her head,
2: like just the oh, the graphics of that was so scary, man. That was crazy. Uh, And then we do get that moment, which is
0: wild, where, you know, the baby is in the house, but Butcher blows it up anyway. It's I know there's not time to talk about that (laughs) necessarily
2: at the end of the episode, but it's crazy that that maybe a baby died. He hated that baby. There's no way he's saving that
1: baby. Hmm. Well, but also Butcher is ostensibly the hero of this show or one of two heroes. And he straight up just murders a baby like that's intense that's (laughs) an intense intense. choice um but i also want to say like the way that uh the way that homelander's like he is mad at stillwell for lying to him but i think it's more he's like i have a chance here to destroy what everyone thinks is my one weakness i'm going to do that and become even more powerful that feels like a strong motivation for him there too
0: yeah, uh, that's an interesting way of looking at it. I mean, there's certainly been storylines where Superman tries to get rid of all the kryptonites. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Homelander going forward, given that his kryptonite is gone. What is the thing that can take him down or hold him back, if anything? And I guess we'll have to find out. Uh, well, and also,
1: just one more thing on that. It yeah. is interesting that he has the... He goes from being uh, wanting to be mothered so hard by Stillwell this season to the point of like being uh, jealous of her actual baby, um, being into breast milk like more than normal. Um, <laughs> and, and then he finds out that he has um, a son. So I think he, like a child, is like, "Oh, I don't need my mom anymore. I have my own family." Um, mm-hmm. In that, in the Becca and Becca's son reveal. Well, they've done a nice job of weaving that through his
0: character arc over the course of the season, that he is the soup who was raised by nobody. He was raised by scientists in a blank room. So even though they haven't explicitly stated this at any point, it's clear that he needs that family unit. So that's something that potentially we'll see, I guess, going forward.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, all right, let's jump back and talk about Annie and Huey. Pete, take it away. All right, so we, you know, last we left them, you know, Huey's trying to reach out and be like, "Yo, I'm so sorry, whatever," and he kind of chose Butcher over her in the park, which was a little upsetting. So when we have Annie show up to rescue him, like that was such an amazing crazy moment and like the look on Huey's face to realize I'm being rescued you know was really it was really cool and uh very powerful and her line of like yeah as you said I'm a fucking superhero it was so badass uh it was a really great moment yeah i i
1: agree like um another example of the way they've just in this show they pit these characters who I think are in love with each other, but um, they pit them against each other in such a smart way. Like Huey yeah. lied to her uh, a lot, um, uh, and she was just thought this was the one pure thing in her life, right. the relationship. Um, but what happened was that. Oh, uh, not right now. I'll be with you in one moment. <laughs> Sorry about that. No, that's all right. We'll keep that in. Oh, great. Yeah. Okay, good. I'm glad you're in control of that. So, uh, speaking of kids, are like sort of a natural uh, product of relationships, and that's what I have <laughs> uh, uh, byproduct even. So, um, I was saying about Annie and Huey that um, so even though that Huey wronged her, uh, she still knows that he believes in her, and I think yeah. she needs that belief in herself uh, to be this superhero, and that's what brings her back to see.
0: Well, particularly with what she finds out over the course of the episode about everybody else in her life, not just the Voight Corporation, which she's already kind of known as lying to her, and certainly the Seven are not particularly great. But she goes back home, she confronts her mom, and finds out, yes, her mom did inject her with Comptown V. Yeah. And that is why her dad left. Uh, So if anything, Huey is the most steady thing in her life at this point.
2: Yeah, that was sad, where it was like she was just kind of looking at that pipe, you know? And just wondering, you know, about like if he was the one who was actually fighting for her and she didn't realize that she had chosen the wrong parent. It was crazy to see her kind of like work that all
1: out. Uh, I also like the moment where she goes to church, which throughout her life has been a place uh, that she's like able to find solace and like figure it out. And it just doesn't seem to work for her. In this episode anymore in the same way And this season has been about her faith being challenged I feel like, which leaves her with this revelation That she just has to go with what is working now Yeah uh, th- w- sh- Let's talk
0: about the place where she ends up At the end of the episode Where she does save Huey She doesn't seem particularly 100% back on board with him But there's this killer fight between her and A-Train with him having a heart attack where does that leave her going forward yeah exactly
1: yeah it's not a great spot um but i like the fact that both she she has to prove that she she has to show that she's a superhero and save his Mm -hmm. life or try to save his life no matter what the consequences are and even huey like the change that he's gone through from wanting to kill a train you know a few episodes ago at the beginning of the season to now he's there trying to save his life as well like That's just the hero bona fides we've been waiting for. And a great counterpoint to Butcher, who once again murdered a baby.
0: Yeah, Yeah, I mean, that's a big difference between – we've talked about this quite a bit, but I think that's one of the big differences between the comics and the TV show is the comics – definitely lean into the nihilism of Butcher. You know, yeah. that's what the world is like, and they can only, the boys can only push back against it ever so much. Versus the TV show, the way Eric Kripke and Company are exploring it, is I do think they're looking into how do you still stay a hero in this world? You know, how do you still do what's right? And what you were saying, Justin, Huey turns a corner in terms of that over the course of the season. Annie definitely always wanted to be a superhero, found out the world was much more dark than she expected it was, but by the end is able to push back and become a hero once again, even if she's saying Age Train, who is not a great guy. No.
1: Yeah. Um, Well, that's Uh, what this show that goes, you know, it's everyone talks about it's like this super edgy show really pushing the envelope, but they still make sure that they have these bright, innocent hero moments that I think keep it in that comic book world and keep it just true to the genre in a good way. (laughs)
0: <laughs> uh, well, let's talk so, about uh, – what else should we talk about? We should probably talk about the soup terrorists that are popping up. There's a brutal scene at the beginning. Homelander uh, kills a bunch of drug oh, yeah. dealers and other people. Yeah, Pretty that, horrifying. That
2: was crazy. The classic, like, all right, like, you know, elite team going up to a building and then Homelander showing up being super cash, like, hey, boys, how's it going? And then I like how he, like, goes to leave, but then remembers and turns around and's like, oh, and you are the real heroes. I'm going to go, like, murder the shit out of a ton of people to some weird music and, like, really enjoy myself.
1: Yeah, and they do such a good job of making him just cocky, brutal, and just spotless. Like, nut, no bit of blood even lands on his his yeah. uniform. And I think, you know, they're... Satirizing like America here, I think in a in a great way um, that Homelander personifies. I feel like in this beginning section.
2: Also, I liked how it wasn't like they didn't even look like he, he planted it. He like reaches back in his cape and is like, "Oh yeah, here's a thing that I found that I'm that's been on me the whole time." Yeah, <laughs> you know, right. Yeah. You know.
0: Another great moment, we kind of shat on A-Train a little bit, but there's a great moment where he's on crutches, goes into a store, and a security guard is checking him out, and everybody films him, and that's another thing that's been weaved through his storyline. He's a star. He's as big as anybody else on The Seven, but he's also black, and that's something that keeps rearing its head over and over as he needs to deal with his upbringing, deal with himself versus where he is in life, and... It It's fascinating. I, I've talked about this a lot, but I like the fact that we feel sympathy for these otherwise irredeemable characters like you do in this moment.
2: Yeah. yeah and it's also like even, uh, you know, he's on crutches. Like he is so not a threat. And yet the security guards like, you know, racism is so real. I'm going to slap you in the face with it, you know, and it's just. It's a lot to take. And to kind of see him kind of like, you know, kind of lose it on that security guard was great. You know, it's nice to kind of like, even though he's a horrible person, he's still right in that moment.
1: Yeah. And the way that they because for a train, it's that loss of fame uh, that you were talking about, Alex. And like uh, what they do great on the show is um, they uh, keep the baseline of uh, America has is a racist country. There's racism in America that is a problem for people. So this scene is, is about the loss of fame for a train where now he is uh, vulnerable to the actual experiences that uh, a black person in America has to go through. And he feels that even sharper in this moment, I think.
0: That's also followed up pretty closely. There's a couple of other things that happen in between uh, with the scene with the deep uh, where he shaves his chest and his head to everybody hurts Then we see him, and he's completely naked. And again, bringing everything full circle in a relatively subtle way, I like the fact that we see him completely bare and exposed versus the last time we saw his naked butt, he was assaulting Annie in the first episode. Yeah. So— You see him from this place of seeming power to complete lack of power by the end with very similar shots, which I thought was nice structure throughout.
1: Yeah, and the way they – I mean we've said this throughout the whole uh, podcast, but the way they establish him as like a total creep asshole um, victimizer and then we follow his arc and you you start to sort of feel sorry for him in a way where they – it's it's just done in such a smart way They keep the complexity there And I think, like you're saying, Alex They really nailed it with this end
2: Yeah, and also, you felt bad for his handler Had to be like, yeah um, You're not getting the call up, man You've been benched in a way You can't come back from Yeah
0: uh, let's talk about the party at Voight. Uh, there's a fun moment there at the beginning where Black Noir is sitting down at a piano. Oh. He's an amazing piano player. Oh,
2: the part where he just, like, the piano player stops and looks up, and Black Noir just, like, sits down and, like, takes. Oh, that's. Black Noir is so great on, on this show. It's so great.
1: Yeah, they really give him the chance to pop now and again, yeah. uh, a character that doesn't really uh, say much.
0: Uh, But we do get a new character here Everybody's favorite Giancarlo Esposito is introduced to the show If you need a villain on a TV show, better call Giancarlo Esposito Ooh, nice Uh, Thank you Uh, So he seems to be the big boss here, right? He's running things for Stillwell. There's been hints throughout the season that there's stuff going on on the 82nd floor And he seems to be the man in charge So that's a great setup for the next season as well. And as far as I've read, and I'm sure, Justin, you don't want to spoil or talk about this. He seems like he's going to be more integrated into the second season as an overarching villain, guy for Voight, whatever you want to call it.
1: Yeah, he's definitely around uh, in this upcoming season, and he's great. Uh, Like you said, the the energy he brings to a... A bad guy, whether in any capacity, like a drug uh, kingpin or a corporate boss, like or even ring-
2: someone who works like behind the counter at a fast food place or something, you know, mm-hmm. very yeah. the, ult- the ultimate villain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just want to
0: see him pull out that dark saber. Man, what a good oh. tease. Yeah,
1: it's all he's it is-
0: playing the same character in every show he's in. Yeah, that's the connection. It's the Giancarlo Esposito Cinematic Universe. Yeah. Uh, But very excited to see him. Uh, Anything else we want to talk about before we start to wrap up season one here? Any other moments that jumped out to you all?
2: Well, I just think that they did a great job of, like, packaging a great season. Like, the first episode was balls. The last episode, I I very much like the ones in between, but, like, really setting this up like a great comic book series that like grabs the reader and then doesn't let you go at the end there. I think it's uh, I think it's a really well thought out thing. So I'm hoping that the second season uh, feels that way as well.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I agree. I think we should talk probably about uh, Frenchie Kimiko a little bit, or I guess the Mm -hmm. rest of the boys, we haven't really mentioned them. Um, I know we've talked a lot about Frenchie and Kimiko, like, Is their relationship uh, romantic, or is it just uh, something else? Pete, what do you think? You're our.
2: I think it's right now. It's it's you know, Frenchie likes her. We don't know if that's returned yet. So uh, you know, but there is the possibility, and Frenchie does. I do think Frenchie would like that.
0: (laughs) Ah, Frenchie would like that. That'll be the title of the first episode of season two. Um, Yeah, I think there's definitely something there. Like we've talked about before, it seems like they're pushing that ship in aspect a little bit more here on the TV show than they do necessarily in the comic book. And I think that's great because they have a lot of chemistry there. There's definitely something deeper going on and whatever direction it goes in. I'm just happy to see them together. Um, Mother's milk continues to be great. I love the motivation of his family throughout that just gives him a really nice grounding and makes him very different from the rest of the boys who are have none of that. Um, yeah. uh, So like Pete said, great first season, really so much more impressive and engrossing and emotionally grounded than I thought it was going to be
2: going into it, both the first time and the second time through. Great actors. Uh, you know, they made some amazing casting choices.
1: Yeah. It's a, like you said, it's a great package top to bottom and so smartly written and well shot. The, uh, A scene in this episode where Stillwell and uh, Homelander are hooking up, and then you land on the action figure in the background, in the foreground, like so
2: cool. Yeah, I'm glad we finally got to that because you like to talk about how much you love packages. So I'm glad that this worked its way in on this uh, last episode. That's right, (laughs) aspiring UPS man. Good stuff. All right,
0: folks, thanks so much for listening to our first season of the podcast. We're going to be transitioning very nicely, given this timing, into the second season as we talk about that as episodes come out, presumably. Uh, so keep your subscribing fingers, subscribe. If you want to support us, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday at 7 p.m. to crowdcast and YouTube. Come hang out. Ask us questions about the boys. We would love to chat about it. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe and listen to the show. Hear it. Number four, the boys on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook to follow us socially. Comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and more. And don't forget to let us hear Let let us us hear hear,
1: Let let us hear for for the boy boy, That was perfect